we we come here this morning and, and God, may we be able to say all is well with our soul because of Jesus, because of the finished work of the cross. And God, we know that no matter what trials or tribulations or heartache, hard time that we're going through right now, God, it is well. It is well because of Jesus. God, we pray you speak to us this morning. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. If you have your Bibles, you can open up uh, to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We are going through the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience is where we are this morning. Patience. I told my wife I was speaking on patience and she laughed at me. You laugh as well. Uh, I, I just always say the, the apple does not fall all that far from the tree. Uh, if you know my grandfather and my father, and keeps getting better every generation, right? Okay. So uh, if you got your Bibles, we're going to talk about patience here in James 5. Let me read verses 7 through 11, and you can go ahead and follow along. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. One of the most annoying things that can take place uh, for an oyster is to have a grain of sand lodged within its shell. Okay, it's one of the most annoying and irritating things that can happen. And so what the oyster will attempt to do is it will attempt to expel this grain of sand. It will try and try and try as hard as it can to expel the grain of sand over and over and over again. And most of the time it's successful. It's able to expel this grain of sand. We're good back there. So as, as it expels the grain of sand, something kind of will happen. So it's attempting to, to expel this grain of sand, and it's irritated, and it's frustrated. And what will happen is, if it cannot, it will locate the grain of sand, and then over and over, it will begin to coat the grain of sand. And over time, this substance that it over and over begins to cover the grain of sand with will harden. And now, many of us probably know and, and understand what happens, that at, after this process takes place, something very valuable happens. Something we find of great worth that people will pay great money for. And that's a pearl. Now, pearl's beautiful, isn't it? We, we love pearls. We would purchase, we would buy, we would wear pearls. But a pearl only takes place, it only happens because the oyster is irritated and frustrated by this little grain of sand. They can't take it, so it covers and covers, and this beautiful pearl is formed. 
Who wants to be a pearl? Right? I love, I love this, this, how this takes place and the formation of a pearl. And so we look at it and we know this, that if you are in Christ, if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, Paul tells us, you are God's workmanship. God has created great things for you to do. You are a pearl. But guess what? Anybody want to be a pearl? Right? Now, that's awesome. We all want to be pearls, and we love the idea of being a pearl. Amen to that. But the problem is, what we fail to realize so often is that we can only be made a pearl by experiencing the irritating grains of sand in our life. We can only become a pearl if we go through the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties and the hard times. See, God, God wants to make us a pearl. God wants us to be a pearl. God wants us to be someone who will shine and make a difference in this dark and dying world. God wants that for us, and we want to be that. We love to look at it. We want to be God's workmanship, and we want to do all that He has created for us to do. But it only happens through the trials, through the tribulations, through the irritating little grains of sand that come into our life. And how do I know this? Well, we can know it by looking at the great figures in the Bible. The great men and women who lived lives. If you look at their lives, you're drawn to it. There's a pearl. We look at people like Joseph and Moses and and David and Paul and all these figures from from the New Testament and Old Testament, and we want to be like them. They've done amazing and tremendous things for the kingdom of God, and I want to be like them. But so many times, you know what we miss? We see the iceberg, don't we? And we see this great figure, and we see all that they've accomplished But many times we miss all that took place, those irritating grains of sand, those trials, those tribulations, those difficulties that came into their life and made them the man and woman that they were, made them the pearl that they were. And so we see it from Scripture. If you look at at, at lives like Joseph, Joseph is a pretty incredible story. You know, 400 years after Joseph was, was dead, they carried his bones back to the promised land. I don't think they'd probably do something like that for after four days I was gone. But for Joseph, 400 years, did that guy make an impact? Yeah, we look at the story of Joseph when we see his life that was lived. It's pretty incredible. But what did Joseph go through? His brothers, they wanted to leave him for dead, didn't they? He was sold into slavery. He went and worked for Potiphar, and where did he end up? Yeah, he ended up in prison. And he's left, and he's forgot about, and this is the life that Joseph lived? But did he become a great pearl for God? Yeah. And God used these things in his life, and patiently Joseph waited. Patiently waited. And we see stories of Moses. Moses known as this great lawgiver, wasn't he? He was the great lawgiver. He freed the people from Egypt and the captivity there. But he spent 40 years shepherding, 40 years patiently waiting for what God would do in his life. 
Look at the story of David. David, a man after God's own heart. And here is David, David then anointed king. And if you look and you study, most scholars believe that it's 10 years or longer after David is anointed to be the next king that he actually becomes king. And what happens during that time? David is on the run. David has a spear thrown at him. This madman king wants to kill him. He's on the run. He's forgot about. All of these things take place as David patiently waits. And we look at these figures and we see these stories and these guys were pearls and did incredible things for the kingdom of God. But it didn't happen right away, did it? The irritating grains of sand, the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations, all of these things help form and make them those pearls. As we look At the passage here and what James has to tell us, we need to understand that you and I will not experience God's pearl without first the irritating grains of sand, without first the trials and the tribulations and the struggles and the loneliness and the heartbreak and the sorrow, all of those things. God wants us to make us a pearl, and we love it, we see it, and we want it. But we must understand what it takes to be that pearl, to be that workmanship. Patiently waiting. It's what we see from these figures here uh, in, throughout the Bible. Uh, so James chapter 7, let's look at it. There's three things uh, we want to see here in James chapter 7 involving patience. The first thing we want to see involving patience is we see the imperative of patience, the imperative of patience. The second one is the illustration of patience, and the third one is the intent of patience. Three things we draw from these five verses here in James chapter 5. The first one, the imperative of patience. James 5, 7, here's what he says, be patient, be patient. James starts by making an imperative. James starts by giving us a command. Listen, this isn't some, hey, let me tell you what I think, or some Facebook post about here's what I believe, and you should probably believe it too. James has given us a command, an imperative. James is saying part of our DNA, part of our makeup, part of our anatomy, part of who we are, is we should be patient, a state of who we are, patience. To be patient means basically slow or long to anger. Slow or long to anger. So when those circumstances, those difficulties, those irritating grains of sand come, we are slow or long to anger. It's a difficult thing to do. In fact, D.A. Carson says this about patience. He says, we don't pray for patience because to do so assumes we'll be in a situation we don't like. To be patient or to become patient is not something that happens naturally, is it? Any patient people here? Any impatient people? If you look at your spouse, maybe? Okay, so, but to become patient is a difficult thing. And what D.A. Carson's saying and what I think James tells us as well, for us to become that patient, for us to become a pearl, that to pray that way 
and to want to live like that, there are things and there are t- that are going to happen. There's times in our life that are going to be difficult and hard, and there's going to be trials, tribulations. Those irritating grains of sand are going to come in. That if I want to be patient or I want to be this great pearl for God, there will be difficulties. There will be struggles. There will be heartache. There will be pain. All of these things must take place. And we want to be patient because it is a fruit of the Spirit. And we want to be patient because we are commanded to be patient. But for us to begin to look like that, there's going to be struggles. And it's not easy. James wants us to understand here that there will be circumstances in life where we will be at our end, where we will be on our last nerve, when all the world seems to be crashing in around us, that we've done everything or we've experienced all this and our world just seems to be caving in. You've been there, right? At some point in our lives, we feel like, man, I, I don't know that I can go on. I remember a time in my life not that long ago and It was when the economy was bad and the real estate market was bad and all this was taking place. And then I remember one sitting there one Sunday at an open house and all of a sudden I couldn't really see out of my left eye. And so everything's struggling already. I go to the doctor and find out from the the eye doctor that I torn and detached my retina. And then I had to have surgery and then I'm out for a couple weeks and, you know, not working in an already difficult time. And okay, that's, you know, okay, we got past that. And I remember eight weeks later, running my eye into a back of a car door and tearing and detaching my other retina. I'm not clumsy. There's other reasons that take place. But tearing and detaching my other retina, and guess what? Same thing. Spending thousands of dollars on my left eye, now spending thousands of dollars on my right eye. And I remember going home after the doctor gave me the news, and I'm just at my end. And I fell on my bed, and I began to cry. I said, God, why why is this happening? What's going on? You know, I don't have the money for these surgeries. I don't have the time to be out of work for several weeks. I don't want to go through this again. Why is this happening? And, of course, we know that pales in comparison to so many other stories. My my wife has a friend from college right now. Her name is Angie, and Angie twice was diagnosed with cancer and twice, by the grace of God, overcame it. And remember celebrating with her that, yes, the cancer, she's cancer-free. Well, a couple weeks ago, they get news from the doctor that the cancer had returned, and this time she's been given six months to live. Here she is, not even 40 years old, three young kids, married, six months to live. Trials, tribulations for her, trials and tribulations for the family. We know it's real, don't we? We know there's times in our life that these things are going to happen. When we lose loved ones, when there's broken relationships, marital strife, financial difficulties. These things will happen in our life. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God is always working us to become that that pearl. That pearl. The imperative. He continues on. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. I love this statement, until the Lord's coming. What's he saying? Be patient, but guess what? There is an end. There is an end, and we long for his coming. There is an end. There is an expiration date. The reality is the very nature of our lives is it is temporary. 
that there will come a time when that struggle is going to end. There are only two places where you don't need patience anymore. Heaven, where there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more pain, and hell, where your circumstances are not going to change. See, patience is us waiting for our current circumstances to change from what they are now. And those are the only two places that they will never change. Until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. And then he continues in verse 7, and he gives us an illustration of what that looks like. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rain. I looked at that, and I'm trying to make sense of why is he using the illustration of a farmer? As I looked about it, I, I thought about it a little longer, and what we see is we see the analogy of the farmer, but what a farmer does is the farmer does not walk into his barren field, go out to his field, and just say, you know what, God? Let's see those crops. I'm ready. Bring the crops on. Let's do this. What does a farmer have to do? If he wants to see a return, if he wants to see crops, what, what does he got to do? He's got to go work the field, doesn't he? He's got to go plow in the field. He'll work till sun up, till sun down, working in the field. Now, God still has got to work. Without the rain that comes, James mentions there, without that autumn and that spring rain, all the work the farmer has done is no good if God doesn't deliver and God doesn't bring the rain. But as we wait, as we wait for that to happen, there's still a role for us. And as we go through the trials and the difficult times and all the struggles we have in life, guess what? There's still a role for us to play. I might be going through something right now, and I may be praying that God delivers me from that, and I want to see all this happen. But as we wait, there's still a role for us. And what James wants us to see is this, this is an active waiting. Patience is actively waiting. That as we wait, on the Lord. We are still active. We are still pursuing the things of his kingdom. And I think probably the greatest example of this is Paul. And if you look at the story of Paul, Paul wrote at least 13 books of the Bible, and he wrote many of them when he was in prison. Now, when Paul's in prison here, we could see that Paul might pray like what happened in Acts chapter 12, you know, deliver. God, open, open the prison cells. Let us go. Open the prison cells. But that's not what happened, is it? Paul spent time in prison. But what did he do? He just didn't sit there waiting that the prison doors would open and he'd go free. But when he was there, he's writing. And he's giving us much of this truth that we see in Scripture. What else is he doing? You can read in Philippians chapter 1, that the whole prison guard knew of Paul's circumstances. They had heard the message of Jesus preached because Paul was actively waiting. That even in his circumstances, even in his difficulties, even in his present place, he still was pursuing the kingdom of God, still sharing who Jesus was and what Jesus had done and why he was in the chains because he was proclaiming the name of of Jesus. Actively waiting. This is the picture of that farmer who still in the field, still doing work, yet he knows God's got to deliver because if there is no rain, 
there is no crop. Verse 9, it continues on, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Don't grumble. Don't complain. As the children of Israel in the wilderness, it said there was this, this murmur, right? That even as God had brought them out of captivity, and even as God was delivering manna from heaven, they still, there was a murmur, a complaining that was taking place. See, it's not only about having the right actions, like that farmer who's still actively waiting, going, but it's also about your heart condition and your mindset being in the right place. See, Paul tells us, yes, your, your, your actions must be right. As we wait on the Lord, there still must be actions that take place, but also our attitude must be in the right place, that we aren't grumbling, that we aren't complaining, you know, a good test of where my heart is many times is start driving in traffic and I got to be somewhere in a hurry. Then I can figure out where my heart is. Don't ever ride with me in that situation. Or you go to a restaurant, right? And maybe you don't get the best service. Maybe it's slow. See your reaction. Where's your heart condition? Or you got a dog that's 13 years old and scratches on your door every hour at night because I got to go outside and go pee, right? That'll test your patience and test your heart condition. Not that I have that going on, but your actions, and your attitude. And the opposite then, if we are not to grumble, if we are not to complain, our, the opposite should be true. And the opposite of that is we are to compliment, we are to praise, we are to aid, we are to approve, we are to help, we are to laud, we are to be happy, we are to delight, we are to be joyful. Joyful. Joyful, not a set of circumstances. Joy is not based on our present circumstances, Joy is based on our position that we have in Jesus, that we have joy because of Jesus. We have joy because of what God has given us in his son, Jesus. And we aren't to grumble, we aren't to complain, we aren't to murmur, but instead we're to have all of these. If we're not to do that, we should have the opposite, a sense of joy. And that's difficult, isn't it? As you go through struggles in life and difficult times, to find that joy can be difficult. I'm a Kansas City Royals fan. Anybody like baseball? Okay, I'm a Royals fan. Now, as I look back on this current year, the Royals are currently five games under 500, 11 games behind the Indians, not that I follow along. Uh, but, so they're not having a great year. But guess what? They are the defending World Series champions, and your team is not. Okay, so we love the Royals in my household, and we'll watch some Royals games, but many times this year... We might start watching them in the third inning, and by the seventh inning, they're losing, and you know what? We're done with them. Difficult to watch that. But you know what I've done several times this year? It's several times. Last year, game five of the World Series, when Wade Davis had that final strikeout, we recorded all that. We recorded the game. We recorded the post-game celebration. And so there are times this year, probably three or four different times, where I've turned that game on, and I've watched it. And I watch the end, and I see Wade Davis pick up that strikeout, and I see Drew Patera run up and hug him, and everybody rushing in and celebrating this great World Series champion that took place. And I watch the celebration afterwards, and all of a sudden I feel a lot better about present circumstances. Guys, is life right now might not be well, or the times in our life where we go through struggles and pain and difficult times. You know what James wants us to do? 
is James is encouraged, look back. Realize all the good that God has done for you. Realize the gift that he's given you in his son. Look how he has delivered you in the past. So now, now might be difficult. Now might be tough. But think about all that he's done. Find the joy in what he's done for us in the past. Dwell on that. And so as we go through the struggles and we go through the difficulties, remember what he has done. So we see, well, oh man, I forgot that slide. I should leave that up there for a little bit so we can soak it in. But as we look at it, we want to see we have the imperative, right? The command of patience, and we see what that looks like, the imperative of patience. The next thing we want to take a look at is we want to see the illustration of patience. And we see this in verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. What's he say? Okay, we've talked about what patience is. You've seen that it's command. You've seen what it's supposed to look like. Now you let me give you an example. Look to the prophets. Now, uh, I have a son, and his name is Cade, and there is Cade. Now, Cade, uh, I always dreamed and prayed for a son, and he exceeds my expectations. Anything I love, he loves it like 10 times more than I do. And so we share a lot in common, love spending time with him. And let me tell you about this, is that if he fixates on something, let's say Iowa State, he wants a jersey. All right, Dad, I love Iowa State, let me get a jersey. He's a Royals fan, imagine that. So he's got to have his Eric Hosmer jersey. Why? Because he wants to be exactly like Eric Hosmer. So every time we go play baseball or wiffle ball in the backyard, he'll grab his Eric Hosmer jersey, go put it on, and we're going to go play baseball. He is, because of his cousins, become a Minnesota Vikings fan. So he wanted an Adrian Peterson jersey because he wanted to be like Adrian Peterson, apart from the uh, you know, child beating and stuff. So he, he also uh, loves Iowa State basketball. So we've got several posters, and we've got a basketball hoop up in the dining room, and we've got a basketball hoop up in the dining room with posters of Iowa State basketball players, okay? New season of Iowa State coming up this year. So guess what he did? We don't have a poster yet. So he says, Dad, I want to know everybody who's on the Iowa State team, and what's their number? So I read off the list, and he made his own poster of all the Iowa State basketball players, okay? Why? Because he looks to them. He wants to be like them. And he'll look at the posters and he'll be reminded, yeah, you know, I don't want to be like Naz Long. I want to be like Monte Morris. I want to be like these individuals. He loves basketball, baseball, football, so he wants to be like him. Super Bowl last year, he made himself a Cam Newton jersey, okay, because he wanted to be like him. What's James telling us here? James tells us, look to the prophets. Like Cade would look to those posters, We are to look to the prophets, these great examples, because we should want to be like them, how they patiently waited, how through trials and tribulations they persevered, those those irritating grains of sand entered their life, God made them a pearl. And we want that same thing. And so we look 
to their example of their life, of what they endured. Look at some uh, of these prophets. Ezekiel, he laid on his side for 390 days. 390 days. Is that patience? 390 days as a sign for Israel. And in Ezekiel, we see this great patience. Hosea. Hosea is told to go marry a girl named Gomer. Well, Gomer breaks his heart. Gomer breaks the covenant of marriage. And yet God still says, you go and get Gomer. And in this story, God shows us a great picture of ourselves. That although we broke the covenant, although we ran from God, although we were unfaithful to God, he still pursued us. He still came after us, giving us his son, Jesus. And in Hosea, we see this great picture of patience. Although his wife had ran off, broke the marriage, patiently he waited. Daniel. Daniel is thrown into the lion's den, and he spends all night in the lion's den. Do you imagine that? Hungry lions, and you're right with them, fearing for your life, yet patiently waiting. These irritating grains of sand, and God wanting us to make this beautiful pearl. And so we see, and we are told to look to these great examples. And James says, you know what, probably the greatest Example of this. Verse 11, you have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. Then there's Job, the picture of patience. And you look at the life of Job and you see in the opening what happens to him. Ten children. I think the, the most difficult thing you could ever go through in life is probably bearing one of your own children. And Job... That's ten. Ten of them. Ten coffins. What, what trial, what tribulation, what grains of sand. But it doesn't end there for Job, does it? Messenger after messenger come and they talk to Job. And he's delivered these, all of this bad news. He's got boils from, from his toes to his head. His wife continues to chirp in his ear, curse God and die, curse God and die, curse God and die. Job going through all of these things. Yet we see, he says, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. <laughs> what a statement. I want to talk about the picture of perseverance, the picture of patiently waiting, despite the struggles, despite the tribulations, despite the pain, despite the heartache, despite all of that. And even within this, one of one of my favorite verses, one of the most coolest statements in all of Scripture, as Job is going through all of this, he still makes the statement, I know my Redeemer lives. Thinking of that joy, that despite our present circumstances, he can look back and he can see and he can know, I know my Redeemer lives. That I know when I feel depressed, I know my Redeemer lives, Right? Listen, it's, it's important to know that what we know trumps what we feel. And that's hard, isn't it? Because so many times when life isn't fair and things are hard, we don't feel in the right place. 
And that's why it's so important to remind ourselves of things like this. I know that my Redeemer lives because what I know trumps how I feel. And when I'm depressed, I know my Redeemer lives. And when times are tough, I know my Redeemer lives. When life is not fair, I know my Redeemer lives. When there's heartache and pain, I know my Redeemer lives. What we know trumps what we feel. And Job gives us a great picture of that. The last thing we want to see, we've talked about the imperative of patience. We've seen the illustration of patience. And the last thing is the intent of patience, the purpose of patience, the aim of patience. Here's what it says. You've heard about Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord has finally brought about what he has brought about. Other versions read, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. See, his trials and tribulation, it wasn't all for naught, right? The struggles and the heartache and the pain that we go through is not just for naught. There is a purpose behind it. We don't always understand that purpose, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine that David always understood why God had anointed him king, why he still went through all that. Or, or Moses, who spent 40 years shepherding sheep. Or Joseph, who desired to follow God, yet was left for dead, sold into slavery, thrown into prison. Yet they clung, clung to God, clung to his promises. What you are going through, or what you have been through, is not coincidental. It's not happen chance. Now know this truth, that, that God will not put more on you than you can bear. And he has a purpose and a plan and intent for what you are going through right now and for what you have been through. Romans 8.28 tells us, And we know that in all things God works good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those who love him, God works all things for good. What a promise. And remember, remember the pearl. That when those irritating grains of sand, when those trials and those tribulations and those struggles and that heartache and that pain, and we're going through all of these things, God wants to make a pearl of us. God has a plan in all of that. Philippians 1.6 I'll leave you with this, and the band is going to come back up. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you uh, for this, this letter from James. And God, as we look at this, and we see James giving us this command to be patient, God, help us to look at the end result of that, that is just not telling us to be patient with no aim or, or no intent or no purpose in mind, but God, that you, you want to use all of these things that we go through, God, and you want to you make a pearl, this beautiful treasure, this thing of great value. But God, we know to become that, we have to, experience those grains of sand. We have to experience those difficulties. We have to experience the heartache and the pain and the sorrow. 
But there's a plan and there's a purpose. And guys, we look at our own lives now. Some of us are, we're going through it right now. That there is much pain and sorrow and heartache. But God, you want to use that in our lives. Some of us have been through it. And God, we're still going through it. And guys, it might be like Moses where it, it took 40 years of patiently waiting on you. And God, we, we pray. We pray that we cling to your truth like Job did. That no matter what is going on, we can say, my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. This morning, God, we want to celebrate that fact. We want to celebrate that our Redeemer lives. That you have sent your Son, Jesus. And just like Hosea, who pursued Gomer, who had, who had broke the covenant, who had ran, who had been unfaithful, you have pursued us and given us Jesus. You pursued us so much that you gave us your only Son. God, we know our Redeemer lives. And we want to celebrate it in taking the bread and the juice this morning. We want to remember Jesus, his body that was broken, the new covenant in his blood, that now our sins could be forgiven. We could be made right before your eyes by believing in Jesus. God, we want to remember that our Redeemer lives. And it's in his name we pray. patient when those irritating grains of sand come into our life know that god wants to make a pearl we're going to sing one more song together but before we do let me pray god we we thank you we thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for our lives god that no matter what we are struggling or going through god, that you want us to look like this pearl that we are your workmanship that you have created these great things for us to do. And you have a great plan and purpose for our life. God, remind us of how our Redeemer lives. Remind us of all these things you've done in our life, that we wouldn't dwell on our current circumstances, but we dwell on your greatness. And we pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.